So our reading this evening is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, starting at verse 7, and you can find this on page 1004. That's page 1004 in the Pew Bibles. Mark, chapter 3, starting at verse 7. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Iodia, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God! But he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Joe, thank you for reading. Um, Before I begin, let me pray for us. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together this evening. Thank you for uh, the Lord Jesus and all that he's done to accomplish uh, the work that we need uh, to unite us uh, together as your people. We thank you for the words of the gospel, uh, the account of the life and death, resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And we thank you for this passage uh, written here in Mark's gospel this evening for us to hear, to encounter to see the life of Jesus, and to encounter a truth that you have for us uh, today, this evening. We do pray that your spirit uh, would be at work now, opening the eyes of our hearts to see the Lord Jesus more clearly, to see his voice calling us to be in a relationship with him. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the story goes of a, a farmer who, after yielding a plentiful harvest, gave some of his best crop to the king because he loved the king. The king was just and wise. The king was so moved by this generous gift that he rewarded the farmer with a huge plot of land. Upon seeing this, one of the king's advisors thought, I wonder if I do the same thing and give the king a gift Maybe I'll also get a a big plot of land. And so the advisor uh, brought a gift to the king, 
equally as generous that the farmer gave. However, the king simply thanked him, and that was it. Confused and curious, the advisor eventually plucked up the courage to ask the king why he wasn't rewarded like the farmer. To which the king replied, The farmer gave the gift to me out of his love for me. You gave the gift to me out of love for yourself and what you could receive. Uh, both gave to the king, out of one out of loving relationship for the king, and the other out of what he could receive from the king. Uh, in our passage this evening, we see a similar dynamic. Uh, two gatherings to Jesus, a crowd that comes to Jesus for what they can receive from him, and we see another gathering, a people called by Jesus primarily for a relationship with him. On the face of it, both look similar, and yet there is a distinction, a difference. Ultimately, one approach is is self-centered, and the other approach is Christ-centered. So, firstly, uh, the point to begin, uh, the crowd that came to Jesus for what they could receive. And last week we left off in chapter 3 at verse 6. Um, verse 6, the, the Pharisees began to plot with the Herodians as to how they might kill Jesus. And the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day, and the Herodians were advisors to the king at the time. The Pharisees and the Herodians did not get on. However, they had a common enemy. The Pharisees hated Jesus so much that they formed an unholy alliance with the Herodians to kill Jesus. And despite this rejection from the religious leaders, Jesus is not deterred. He he doesn't sulk in a corner in Galilee. No, he carries on with his ministry. Uh, He's calm. He's in complete control, as we see. Uh, The rejection of Jesus is never a hindrance to his work. And so verse 7, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake. And a large crowd from Galilee followed him. I want to imagine uh, the patient list at Addenbrooke's hospital has, has virtually gone down to zero. Uh, the wards are empty. The doctors and, and nurses, well, they're playing cards because instead of being rushed off their feet, uh, Cambridgeshire has virtually become a disease and sickness-free zone. Cancer and COVID has virtually being eradicated from this region. Dementia and chronic pain, no more. All because of a man named Jesus. And as news of this miracle worker spreads and becomes national news, people start to gather from all over the country, uh, from Liverpool to to Newcastle, uh, Wales, Cornwall, Devon, everywhere to, to get in on the action. As the religious leaders in the place of power in Jerusalem reject Jesus, Mark shows us that the real place of power is with Jesus himself. Wherever he goes, people follow. Verse 8, when they heard all that he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan, 
and t- around Tyre and Sidon. Jesus is really the Son of God who has great power. And people know this. Uh, they've come from all over, even beyond Israel, uh, to, to get a slice of the action, to, to receive from him. Uh, the numbers who gather have become so vast that Jesus instructs his disciples to, to get ready a boat, make a boat ready for him. Verse 9, to keep people from crowding him, from literally crushing him. Why? Well, because verse 10, for he had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Imagine the scene, everyone clamoring, climbing over each other to get near Jesus, to touch him, to receive from him. Uh, The crowd gathered to Jesus, not primarily to, to learn from him or to be with him. No, they gathered for what they could receive from him. That healing, that deliverance. You could kind of say it was a, it was a gathering that was self-centered. And you might be thinking, hang on a minute. Surely coming to Jesus to, to receive healing and deliverance is a good thing. And you're right. Jesus did many signs and wonders in his ministry. His ministry was a sign of compassion for the vulnerable, for the broken, Who wouldn't want to be made better from chronic pain, chronic back pain, cancer, dementia, paralysis? However, as we we read throughout the Gospels, we see that Jesus, he came to do much more than heal broken bodies. The signs and miracles are meant to point to a deeper spiritual reality. If you flip... uh, the page, a page back in Mark chapter 1, verse 17, Jesus tells the Pharisees, uh, I think it's, yeah, right-hand column. Um, it's not the health, sorry, chapter 2, verse 17, so back a page. <laughs> it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The real health crisis we all have is not physical but rather spiritual Jesus came to bring forgiveness for sinners he he didn't just come to mend broken bones no he came to mend our our broken relationship with God you see on that day by the lake in Galilee everyone who came to Jesus probably got what they wanted they were healed healing from disease and deliverance from impure spirits. But they all have one thing in common. They're all dead today. Long forgotten, washed into the tide of time. We don't even know any of their names. The crowd, yes, gathered to Jesus, but for the wrong reason. They missed out on what he could really offer them. Not just mended bones and bodies in the present but a mended relationship with God forever. They came for signs and wonders instead of coming to the Son of God to be with him. Even the impure spirits recognize Jesus as such. Verse 11, they know the true identity of Jesus, and yet they speak it for the wrong reasons. You see, in attempting to name Jesus as the Son of God, they want to have power over him. 
uh, in the Bible, the concept of, of naming something or someone is, is very significant. Um, it, it often displays dominion over that person or thing. Uh, the impure spirits want to name Jesus, not out of love for him, but out of an evil desire to stop him in his tracks, to expose who he really is by naming him. So Jesus silences them. Be quiet. You see, I think the great danger we see here in these verses, verses 70 to 12, is that it is possible to come to Jesus and still miss out. It is possible to come to Jesus and still miss out. There is a danger that we can come to Jesus, not primarily because we want a relationship with him, but rather we we come to Jesus because of what we want to receive from him in this life. It might not be signs and miracles today, per se, for us, but this kind of attitude seen in the crowd, it can certainly manifest itself amongst Christians today. I've often seen it in myself. And I think one of the ways we're in danger, I'm in danger of this, is as such. It is possible to come to church and love the Christian community more than Christ himself. It is possible to love the experience of the Christian community more than we love Jesus himself. In one sense, being a Christian becomes most attractive because it it offers access to a community of nice people. It would be like going to a really fancy restaurant in Cambridge. In fact, a three-star Michelin restaurant. Uh, You've heard the world-class reviews uh, about it, and and a friend has recommended it to you. And somehow you manage to get a, a table, a booking, and you go with your spouse or you go with your friend. Uh, you experience the ambience, the setting. You, you sit down at the table to chat to the waiters and other guests who are dining there. But you never actually eat the food. Uh, you, you just sit there enjoying the environment and conversation. Uh, but you never actually experience the world-class cuisine. Now, in one sense, if you were asked, have you been to this restaurant? You could say, yes, I have. I've been. It was great inside. The staff were amazing. The conversation was amazing. But have you really been for the main purpose? No. You've missed out on the best part, eating the food. Those who gather primarily for the community instead of Christ himself, miss out on the best part, a relationship with God. I guess sometimes it can often be hard to to distinguish our motives. Uh, And I guess a good question to be asking is this. Do I love Jesus more than I love the Christian community? Or is it the other way around? Uh, Do I love Jesus more than I love the Christian community? Or is it the other way around? You see, if we get this the wrong way around, there's a danger we could lose both in the end. See, there, there is a sense that our ideals of what we want for community often trumps the idea of what Christ wants for the church. We often have to lose this dream of community, which can often be unhelpful 
to discover what Christ's purpose is for the church. It's often those times when we've been hurt by others, that our our ideals of community dies, and we really begin to discover what Jesus means for sinners to fellowship with each other over years, decades. It's often in those moments of conflict that we discover a gracious God whose mercy and forgiveness overflows into our relationships with each other. When we gather primarily for Jesus, for a relationship with him, he will begin to unite our ideals and values of community as his spirit gets to work in our lives. If there's one thing we take away from these verses, it's it's this. Come to Jesus and don't miss out on a relationship with him because it will flow into our lives with much goodness If in verses 7 to 12 we have a a gathering that sees Jesus as a ticket for a better life in the present, in verses 13 to 19 we see another type of gathering to Jesus, a gathering that is initiated by Jesus himself for a relationship with him forever. So our second point, the church is called by Jesus to be in a relationship with him. Verse 13, Jesus went up a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. The scene shifts from down by the lake where the crowd gathered to receive from Jesus up to the mountainside where a new gathering takes place. And it's a gathering based on relationship. In the Bible, the mountains are often significant for being the place where God tends to meet with his people. And in this scene... The Son of God is on a mountain, and he calls his people to him. Verse 13, Jesus called to him those he wanted. It is God who gathers his people. The church of God is gathered by God. Isn't that a wonderful reassurance for us this evening? In the ups and downs of our relationship with each other as brothers and sisters, we can rest on the assurance that it is God who has called us together as a church family. And would you look at the cast of characters that Jesus calls together? It's a bit of a, a rabble, isn't it? It's a list of names and characters that's, quite frankly, unimpressive. Most of them were fishermen. Peter, a bit of a hothead, who would later deny Jesus. Simon the Zealot. And Matthew, a tax collector. Now, zealots and tax collectors did not get on. Zealots were Jews who who hated the Roman occupation uh, and even hated the tax collectors more because they were Jews who worked for Rome. They were seen as traitors. Uh, This was not a match made in heaven. Well, actually, it was um, because Jesus called them. It's it's the one time this phrase doesn't work, isn't it? Uh, Jesus calls a bunch of men who will eventually deny him, abandon him. A question for us this evening. I wonder if we ever doubt that we're unworthy to be called by Jesus. Or we we doubt whether we belong here at All Saints. Let me say to you this evening, be encouraged to see that no one is worthy of the call of Jesus. Even the apostles weren't. And yet he called them. 
that. Jesus calls us not because we're, we're desirable. No, we're desirable because he, he calls us. Jesus called those he desired. And those whom Jesus calls respond. In John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. The voice of Jesus is powerful. Those he calls cannot resist his voice. Uh, To be a Christian is to have heard the voice of Jesus calling you. And what's the purpose of his calling for us? Well, it's firstly to be with him. Verse 13, Jesus went up to a mountainside and he called to him those he wanted and they came to him. And he appointed 12 that they might be with him. That Jesus calls us so that we can primarily have a relationship with him. It's not a relationship primarily for receiving. No, it's to be with Jesus. It's a bit like a marriage. When a man and a woman get married, 1 Corinthians 6 tells us they become one flesh. And it's like that when we truly come to Jesus. We become one with him, united to him. What's his becomes ours, and what's ours becomes his. And for the 12 apostles appointed on the mountainside that day, being with Jesus literally meant hearing his voice, literally seeing him with their eyes, and touching him with their hands. John, one of the men appointed to be an apostle on the mountainside that day, later writes in 1 John chapter 1, That which was from the beginning we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. We proclaim to you that we have, what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The apostles appointed that day on the mountainside, their fellowship with Jesus is for our benefit. Jesus appointed them to be with him so that we might hear their testimony and have fellowship with Jesus, a relationship with him. Verse 14, Jesus appointed the twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Now, whenever we come to, into a relationship with the Lord Jesus, it gives us a purpose. Uh, the word apostle, it literally means sent out. Now, it is helpful to recognise the, the unique nature of the twelve appointed by Jesus. Uh, the twelve apostles had a, a unique fellowship with Jesus. They they literally saw him, heard his voice, touched him, and were literally sent by him. They were, in a sense, set apart to be the foundation of the church. And once you've laid the foundation, you you build on it, don't you? Christians today were not like the apostles, laying a foundation for the church in our ministries. No, the foundation has already been laid And Jesus is the cornerstone. And it's on their foundational testimony, testimony of the apostles, that we ourselves hear the voice of Jesus and enter into a relationship with him. Maybe you're here tonight and you've been coming along to church. 
and you've heard the voice of Jesus calling you, let me encourage you. Come. Come to him because he, he desires a relationship with you. Come. If that's something you want to do, why not uh, speak to the person sat next to you or grab myself, Monica or Rich afterwards? I will be glad to, to speak to you about what it means to come to Jesus. And if you just turn back a page to Mark chapter 1, verse 14, Jesus says, uh, verse 15, The time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. A key step in coming to Jesus is repenting and putting our faith and trust in him. Come. Uh, Maybe you're here tonight and actually you really struggle with the fact that you don't possibly belong here. We, We feel inadequate or unimpressive in some way. Well, would you look at the cast of characters of the first church? Look at the different cast of characters. A bunch of unimpressive people who started a movement that's been growing ever since. How is it that Jesus built his church, his kingdom? Well, he didn't choose the the power brokers of the day. No, he chose ordinary men and women like you and me. If you're feeling ordinary tonight, then delight in the fact that you're exactly the kind of person Jesus loves to call. Delight in the fact that Jesus has called you to be with him. And whenever Jesus calls us, he never leaves us the same. It's interesting, isn't it, that the second gathering to Jesus, from verses 13 to to 19, uh, we have names, don't we? Uh, Granted, they're the names of the apostles, but we have names. Uh, Those who hear the voice of Jesus and respond are known by God the Father, because we're now part of his family. And because of this... Uh, He's Holy Spirit. It gets to work in us and never leaves us the same. You get a sense of that with the new names uh, given to some of the apostles. When Jesus calls us, he never leaves us the same. Be encouraged. Uh, In this passage, we see two gatherings. A crowd that gathers for signs, for what they can receive And we see another gathering, uh, the gathering of the church, who who gather for a relationship with the Son of God. One is beset with dangers and the other with delight. You see, if if we prize community over a relationship with Christ, then eventually we'll even be willing to destroy Christ, just like the Pharisees at the end of verse 6. For the sake of community. That's what will happen if we prize community over a relationship with Christ. What makes the church different from every other community in the world? The church is a gathering of people called by Jesus to primarily be in a relationship with him. And when we prize our relationship with Jesus, the community always follows all that we are as Christians follow from our union, follows from our union with the Lord Jesus Christ. How can we tell we're gathering for our relationship, a relationship with Jesus? Well, I guess it will be shown in our response. Uh, 
our desire to call others to the message of the apostles, to the voice of the Lord Jesus calling, come, come and be with me. A moment of quiet, then I'll lead us in a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the words of the gospel. Thank you because in the words of the pages of the Bible, uh, we hear the voice of Jesus uh, calling us to be with him, uh, to be in a relationship with him, uh, to be united to him, to have his spirit dwelling in us. Thank you because those you call are never left the same. And when we respond to your call, uh, you get to work in us helping us to live for you and to call others to hear your voice, to call others to be part of your family. Uh, Heavenly Father, please help us as we uh, live our lives, as we uh, get on with things this week, to to come to you and not miss out. Uh, Please help us to come to you, not just for what we can receive in this life, but please would you help us to come to you so that we can be in a relationship with you. Uh, Heavenly Father, please help us to Um, Be doers and not hearers only. Uh, Please help us to respond in a way that's appropriate to each and every one of us this coming week. And we ask for the help of your Holy Spirit. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Gideon. Responding to what we've just heard as those who have been called to a relationship with Christ and then called to go out and share that good news with others, we have our final song. You have called us out of darkest light into your glorious light that we may sing the wonders of the risen Christ. Do you stand to sing? is your 